Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. I want to talk to you tonight about surviving the wilderness. Surviving the wilderness. Before I read the text, can we let our worship team know how much we love and appreciate them? Wow, what a presence. If you don't sense the anointing in this place tonight, you are dead. All right? And I'm not playing with that. You're dead. What a powerful anointing in this place tonight. We're thankful for God's presence. Let's go to Exodus chapter number 13, starting in verse number 17. It says, Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the the land of the Philistines, although that way or that was near. For God said, Lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and they return to Egypt. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. I want you to pay special uh, close attention to verse number 18. God led the people around by way of the wilderness. Tonight's topic again is surviving the wilderness. If I could put a tagline on this message tonight, I would simply say it like this. Some seasons are not about winning and losing Some seasons are simply meant to survive. And I think if you've lived long enough, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Jesus said that it's he that endures till the end, that person will be saved. So there is something to this enduring faith, this this faith that helps you to endure, to survive a wilderness season, to survive a a drought in your life, whether that be a a financial drought, a physical drought, emotional, maybe even for some of you a spiritual drought or wilderness in your life. And, And so what I want you to know tonight is faith is not always about a miracle. Faith is not always about a breakthrough. Faith is not always about your healing. Sometimes faith is the ability to not lose your mind in a difficult season. I'm looking at some people that had it not been for the Lord, you would have lost your, your mind. Come on, somebody. You would, have, you would have lost your mind had Jesus not sustained you through a difficult season. See, the wilderness is symbolic of that place that we sang about tonight, that place in the middle. You know, that place where you're not where you used to be, but you haven't arrived at where you're called to be. That, that middle place, that, that season where it seems that one door has closed, but the new door has not opened. And as one preacher said, it's often hell in the hallway. Between a closed door and an open door, sometimes we experience a little hell in our lives. And so the wilderness experience is often accompanied by a season of dryness. It's a season where the promise of God remains unfilled in your life. 
In the wilderness, it becomes difficult. Just hear my heart. Sometimes it becomes difficult to celebrate other people's breakthrough because it seems like you never get a breakthrough. Am I in the right place? Y'all ever been there? Like you want to be happy for him, but you almost want to slap him? Because it seems like your breakthrough is not coming, and they're celebrating, and they're dancing over what God has done for them, and yet you are stuck in the middle, trying to survive a wilderness season. If you know the story of the children of Israel, you know that Israel had been in bondage for 400 years, and God brought them out by a mighty hand, and the scripture is very clear that God led them into a wilderness season. God led them there. Now, I had always just thought that they were in the wilderness because of their disobedience. And I believe the wilderness is twofold. I believe they got stuck for 40 years because of disobedience. But we know from the the passage we read tonight that regardless of how long they ended up there, I don't believe they were destined to be there 40 years. God led them there for a purpose. God led them into a wilderness season for a purpose. And, and what we have to know is that God has a plan. Jeremiah the prophet says God has a plan to bless us, to give us a hope and a future, all of that. And we, we celebrate, we like talking about the blessing, the breakthrough, the turnaround. We, we, we love that language, especially in church. We love knowing that God is, is going to bring us into a place of prominence, a place of influence, and a place of purpose. But often, We become so anxious for the plan that we fail to realize that there is a process that leads to the plan. And the process is the part we don't like. The process is the difficult part. Touch your neighbor and tell them the process is necessary. The process is necessary. The word process, in other words, like procedure or proceed or processional, All of those words indicate a moving towards something, that you are on your way somewhere. When I think about a processional, I think about a wedding, because I've done a ton of those this year. I think about the bride walking down the aisle. She's proceeding onto a new future, a new doorway. I think about a graduating senior that is closing one chapter of their life and getting ready to begin a brand new chapter of their life. And all of that helps us to to realize and understand that a processional reminds us that nobody merely arrives anywhere. That there is always a process, a process that we walk through, a process that we have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. The process is revealed scripturally with Israel coming out of Egypt into the promised land. God telling them, I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you guys. But I've got to take you through a process called the wilderness. I believe, as I said earlier, it's twofold. I believe that God takes us there, but sometimes we get to decide how long we stay. This is the tough part. Last This year we've been talking all year about this is my grown-up year. How many know growing up's not that much fun, Peter Pan? Sometimes we don't realize how good we had it when we were not grown up, when, when everything was done for us. But there is a growing up process to the things of God. And so Israel ended up 
spending 40 years in a, in a wilderness season. And, and, and the worst part about it is only two people survived the wilderness. Only two people came out on the other side of that dry season. Come on, hit your neighbor and tell them, don't die in the process. Come on, hit them again and say, don't get stuck. We have to keep moving. We have to keep moving. The wilderness, though, brings about, listen to me, the wilderness brings about the questions, plural, of why. Why is this happening? Why is my breakthrough not here? Why hasn't it turned around? Why, why did I not get what I prayed for? Anybody ever ask the why question? See, the problem with the why question, God's not intimidated by your questions, but the why question can be a difficult thing because you can die in your why. You can die in your why. For instance, Job, the whole story of Job, and I'm not going to preach on Job tonight, but if, when you read that story, a lot of us, we don't like reading about it. I mean, who likes reading about a man who gets sick, who gets covered in sores, who, who loses all of his children at one time, they all die, and the only person he had left was his wife, and it wasn't a good thing that he had her left. Curse God and die. She hated him. She couldn't stand the ground he walked on. And that's all he had left. And we read the story and we, we watch him go through the process and the wilderness season of sickness and a bad marriage and kids that are dead. And, and a lot of us, we want to get And it preaches well, well to get up and say, double for your trouble. But that doesn't, that doesn't take away the fact that he, his kids died. That doesn't take away the fact that he lost everything that he had and he had to walk through a difficult season. And the, the, the thing that troubles me about the book of Job is you get to the end of it, and yes, he's blessed in the end, but you never, God never tells Job why. He never answers the question as to why Job had to endure his wilderness season. Sometimes there's not an answer. Sometimes we have to be able to, to leave the past in the past without getting an answer. Because, listen to me, even if we had an answer for some of the stuff we went through, we st it, it wouldn't suffice us anyway. It, it wouldn't be, that answer wouldn't be good enough. And so we got to be able to let sometimes that season go so that we can step into a new season to receive the order. The, the Bible says that God will order our steps, that he will, he will direct our steps and our path. But, but God can't order new steps if we still got an open path back here that we can't, we can't get away from. Because we, we die in our why. We die in our why. And I'm not one to glorify Satan. I believe we're the head and not the tail, above only, not beneath. We're supposed to live in victory and demonstrate the kingdom of God and walk in healing and lay hands on the sick. And I don't care if you're in the frozen green beans and peas and all that stuff. Lay hands on the sick, cast out. I believe all that. But here's what I know about Satan. Satan does his best work in the wilderness. 
He does his best work when you're already down. In sports, it's called piling on. It's when a team's up 40 and the starters are still in. And they're still scoring touchdowns. And they're running up the score. They're still hitting three-pointers. And they're not even putting the backups in. They're, they're piling on. Satan loves to pile on. See, while you're in route to influence and purpose, the devil has planned and schemed to take you out. He has a tactic, a strategy, a plan to take you out when you're at your lowest point. See, the wilderness can include the loss of a dream, a delay to, an, to a prayer you've been praying, an offense in a relationship that you never saw coming, a frustration, a lack of resources. You, you, you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you're called to be. You're stuck in the middle. And the enemy will always use pain to take us out. But God utilizes pain to make us better. God always, listen, I'm going to say it another way. God never wastes your pain. And pain is a great teacher. I, I hate to be the one to tell you that. But pain is a great teacher. Some of us would never change without pain. <laughs> I could go down a list of, of, of ways that we experience pain, and that pain is what produces change in our life. It has been said, though, that the greater the pain, the greater the purpose. That the people who accomplish the most many times have to walk through the most. And I know it sounds a little odd tonight, but you should thank God for your pain. It's hard to do that when you're in the middle of it, but... The Apostle Paul says that the pain that we experience is not even going to compare to the glory that will be revealed in us. That's the words of the Apostle Paul. Most people can't handle more influence and more purpose in their life because they don't have a high enough pain threshold. Our pain threshold is not, not high. We can't endure things. And I want to say to all, every person that wants to be a leader, Every person that says, you know what, pastor, I want to be in ministry. You need to know when you sign up for ministry, you're signing up for pain. And if you're not hurting, you're not leading. I'm preaching better than you're letting on. If you're not hurting, you're not leading. There is a, there is a target on your back when you start doing what God has called you to do. There's a target on your family when you start doing what God has called. Some of you all didn't have any trouble at all until you started doing what God called you to do. I know it sounds good to say serve the Lord and everything goes your way. Serve the Lord and the enemy's going to fire every dart in hell at you. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I know all the people, all the interns... Here at Bethesda, all the ones saying, I want to do ministry. If you're signing up for ministry, you are signing up for pain. I remember my first day of ministry class, the guy got up and he had one of those deep voices. And he said, if you can do anything else and be happy, go do it. Do you remember? Am I telling the truth? And I thought, what are we doing here? 
Like, this is not what I'm signing up for. You know, I'm thinking walking on the water. Come on, so I, I'm thinking cast out the devils. I'm thinking heal every sick person. And all that is what we should be doing. But even Jesus, at one point, says, God, if it's possible, could you please take this cup from me? I can't take no more. Jesus said that. Like, he even said, Father, why have you forsaken me? So when we sign up to do what God has called us to do, I would be doing you a disservice to say you're going to do it and, and, and everybody's always going to roll out the red carpet and it's going to be easy. I'm telling you, when you start doing the right thing and the God thing, you got to be prepared for the hell that will come against your life. And that's just, that's just the way it works. Now let me give you some things. i got to get there because some of y'all are like, I just want the announcement. Here's some things that I need you to know about pain, some things that I've learned. Number one, the longer I avoid a problem, the bigger it generally becomes. The longer I avoid it. I mean, problems don't just disappear. Have y'all learned that? They don't just go away. We have to deal with those. The second thing I've learned about pain is pain is a part of progress. Come on, y'all know no pain? No gain. It's true. I don't, I don't care what you're doing in life. No pain, no gain. The third thing about pain is often the difference between where I am and where God wants me to be is the pain I'm, I'm unwilling to endure. Can't tell you how many people had a great call in their life, had a little bit of pain. They laid their calling down. They went back to the world, went back to the old way of doing things. Because it's not fun to endure. It's not fun to endure the attacks that the enemy will throw at you. It's kind of like the little girl I read about who suffered from a rare genetic malady, and it was called congenital indifference to pain. It's a condition very similar to leprosy. In every other way, this little girl was healthy. But the problem was is that she never felt pain. Ever. Seven years later, she had lost both legs and arms because of this, this malady, this, this condition that she had. Because she could not feel, she would chew her tongue basically in half because she felt no pain. And that's why I said earlier, you need to thank God for pain. And here's why we thank God for pain. Pain is meant to wake us up. Pain is, is not something that we have to hide. We, we, we actually feel strength in the presence of our pain. Pain is an indicator that change is necessary. And, and so pain is not always a negative. We see it that way, but it's not always a negative. So let me give you a couple of things that you need to do. Number one, we have to realize that there are some things that we are not meant to change but we're only meant to survive. We're not called to change it. We're called to survive it. We're called to get through it. It's not a cop-out. I'm not suggesting that, that we refuse to deal with things. I, I'm all about dealing with things. At the last two years of my life, it's been a goal to deal with everything I need to deal with. No more sweeping under the rug. 
If it's a hard conversation, we're going to have it, bless God. You don't want to hear it, but we're going to have it. If it's something I would rather sweep under the rug and pretend it doesn't, nope, nope, not anymore. I've made it a, a goal of mine to deal with things that I norm, my personality type is don't deal with it. But for two years now, I have been putting myself in situations to deal with stuff because how many know if we avoid it, it only grows. It only gets worse. It doesn't get better. That's just the truth of it. And so God brought the children of Israel into this wilderness. And here's the thing. Israel was not called to change the wilderness. God was actually going to use the wilderness to change Israel. And, and, and that's the thing. Isn't it like us sometimes when we're, we, we're beating our head up against something day after day after day after day, some of us month after month, year after year, and it's not changing, it's not changing, it's not changing, it's not turning. Could it be that God doesn't want that to change? He's using that to change you. He's using that to develop you by its very nature. Growth requires change. A lot of times, the only thing that makes us change is loss. And when we lose, we experience pain. I could boil all that down like that. I want you to follow this. Growth equals change. Change equals loss. Loss equals pain. Thus, growth equals pain. If you want to grow, you're going to experience pain. All the ladies that have given birth, they know that to give birth to that, to that baby, if you're running a business and you're wanting to grow that business, to give birth to that business, anytime you want to grow, there's going to be pain involved. See, you and I are called to be fruitful, but how many of us understand that some seasons are more fruitful than other seasons? During our less fruitful times, we are much like a tree in the winter when the sap goes underground, only to come alive again in the spring. See, the tree simply, watch this, the tree simply outlives the winter season. I'm going to prophetically speak over some people that have been in a wilderness season and you thought you were going to die in that season, but the Holy Spirit sent me tonight to say you are going to outlive your winter season. The Scripture says that morning may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You're going to outlive your wilderness season. See, it's tough when you have to endure too much pain too often. When your wilderness season is prolonged, and you feel stuck for a long time, we begin to do things and make decisions in an unhealthy manner. And I want to help some people tonight that maybe you've been in a drought in a wilderness season and you've been there a long time. You've been in that season for a long time. Here's some things that happen. Number one, there's emotional symptoms to that. When something doesn't change over a long period of time and you're living like that, here's what happens. You start to feel overwhelmed, hopeless, isolated. Oh, do we have any irritable people here tonight or moody? Here, that's emotionally. 
behavioral symptoms of enduring prolonged wilderness seasons are you start eating too much or too little. Don't look at your neighbor. <laughs> Sleeping too much or too little, too little. Using medication to relax. Neglecting normal responsibilities. Compulsive behaviors. Low resistance to temptation. And you're not enjoying the things that, you, that used to bring you pleasure. These are behavioral symptoms. There's also cognitive symptoms when you get stuck in a wilderness season too long. That include anxiety, scattered or racing thoughts, inability to concentrate, lack of judgment, and then the physical symptoms, stomach problems, tension headaches, odd aches and pains. Some of you are like, yeah, I should be admitted to the hospital. <laughs> Look at what the psalmist said. Psalm 73, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. And I love this last verse. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Aren't you thankful that when you run out of gas, God can pick you up right there? <laughs> Running on empty sometimes can be a good thing. Second thing I want to give you, and then we're going to try to wrap it up. Remember in your wilderness season that you have an appointment with destiny. You have a place that God has called you to. And this is, this is what you have to remind yourself of when you are going through those difficult seasons. Listen, if you've not gone through a difficult season like what I'm preaching about tonight, here, here, let, me, let me go ahead and prophesy over you too. You're not going to like this prophecy. Your season's coming. No one's exempt. Everyone will have to walk through these seasons. Athletes who participate in endurance sports, they will tell you if it's like um, long-distance running, like endurance-type endurance sports, they will tell you that a lot of times it's not about raw talent, but it's about a gut-level tenacity. I think we need to get some gut-level tenacity back in the church. Some, we may not have all the answers, and we may not be the most talented, but we got some gut-level tenacity that we're not going to give up. We're not going to throw in the towel. We're going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. I think there's some things that people who are resilient are able to do in a wilderness season. Resilient people, number one, they take control of their lives instead of spending energy trying to blame others or waiting, for the, or waiting for others to bail them out. Don't spend energy on that. The second thing they do is they surround themselves with the right people. They surround themselves with the right people. We've been in a wilderness season, my family and I, and that's what we'll share with you in just a few minutes. And I can't, I, I can't stress to you the importance of the right people. That there are moments where we had zero relief until we shared our pain with the right people. 
You can't get disconnected. That's why coming to church, not only on Sunday, but for first Wednesday like this, is important. It's why getting in a small group is so important. To do life with people, to be able to share your struggle. I said a few weeks ago that we impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weakness. And there's something powerful that happens when you can share your story with the right people. There's a, there's a, a, a burden. The, the burden is shared. It doesn't have to be carried alone. The third thing is that resilient people is they allow their, their pain to spur growth instead of collapsing in self-pity. Self-pity is not humility. Self-pity is pride in its highest form. About 20 out of 300 clapping. Self-pity is pride. And man, there's been times in this season, I'll be honest with you, that God had to expose my pride. You feel sorry for yourself. You, how many know like Elijah? I'm the only one, Lord. Elijah felt like he was the only one, had just defeated Jezebel. What did he do next? He wanted to kill himself. Went from on top of the mountain to suicidal in one day over one threat. The fourth thing they do is they insist on changing what they can and they don't worry about the rest. We deal with what we can and we leave the rest up to God. As the worship team comes back, told you I was going to get there. Y'all are here for the announcement. I get it. Anybody getting anything out of this so far? All right, okay. <laughs> Satan will attempt, I want you to hear me, he will attempt to assassinate the will of God in your life while you're in the wilderness. He wants to take out God's will in your life while you're at your low place. Think about this for a moment. God told Eve, you remember Adam and Eve in Genesis. God told Eve that she would be the mother of all living. But she had only given birth to now a corpse and a murderer, Cain and Abel. Cain, a murderer, and Abel is dead at the hands of his brother. At that moment, she had to wonder, where is the promise of God? What happened to being the mother of all living? See, we have to be reminded that God never has to catch up with us. Nothing has ever occurred to God. That He is way out in front of us. And what Eve didn't know is that God had a Seth in the loins of Adam. Now I want you to follow this. The name Seth means substitute. I had never seen this before. The name Seth means substitute. There is a divine substitute waiting to be born in your life. 
There's something that you may be mourning over in this season. But God says, I've already planned another harvest for your life. You're not even finished mourning over what's dead. And I've already got another harvest for you. I've already got another plan. And this is not a Band-Aid plan. God don't do a Band-Aid plan. He doesn't do a second-rate plan. That's not how God operates. Seth represented the ultimate plan of God to fulfill the original promise in Eve from the very beginning. And Satan, get this, he can delay the plan of God, but he cannot deny the plan of God. He can hinder the plan of God, but he can't abort the plan of God. You have an appointment with destiny. And listen, you will, you will, you will survive your wilderness season. Some of you are going to look back. Pastor Jeremiah spoke prophetically to November 7th. That was a prophetic statement. That you're going to look back to this night and you're going to realize it was that night that I realized that Satan probably should have killed me while he had the chance. He probably should have took me out while he had the opportunity. When I was at my lowest, he should have taken me out then because now I'm picking up my purpose. I'm picking up my destiny. I just see prophetic. Some people picking up some destiny and some purpose for their life. This is a strong statement that I want to end with, but I want you to get this. While in the wilderness, we either make ourselves miserable or we make ourselves strong. The amount of work is the same. In the wilderness, we either make ourselves miserable or we make ourselves strong. The amount of work is the same. It's crazy how being miserable takes just as much work as changing it or allowing God to change you. Pain has power to crush us, but what's left at the bottom of the crushing? What's left after the crushing? Is it an angry, bitter, self-absorbed person? Or is it a person who met Christ in a new way in the midst of their pain? Because the thing that's interesting about pain is that it's actually an opportunity to experience God's grace. Man, I'm preaching so good tonight. I sense the Holy Ghost. It's an, it's an opportunity to experience God's grace in a brand new way. Anybody thankful tonight for God's amazing grace over your life? Come on, stand to your feet. Give God the best praise you have so far. Come on, church. He's a good God. He's a good God. Come on, touch two people and tell them he's a good God. Come on, declare that he's a good God. Here's what we're going to do. We have to do this because you never know who's here. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes, no one looking around. 
If you're in this place and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you're not right with God. The Holy Spirit's in this place. He's been here from the moment this service started. Maybe you're in a season of pain. Man, it's one thing to have pain with Jesus. It's another thing to have pain without Jesus. But if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and you would like to make Him the Lord of your life, and you feel that tug of the Holy Spirit at your heart, that this is your time, your moment, your day. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me, Pastor. Thanks for that hand over there. God bless you. Anyone else? You say, that's me, Pastor. Thanks for that other hand. God bless you. Anybody else here tonight? If you would just throw it up long enough for me to acknowledge it, we would love to pray with you and for you. Another one here. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. 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 Another one. God bless you. God bless you. It's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. It's why we do what we do. It's why we endure the pain. That's why we go through the wilderness. It's for this moment. If it wasn't for this moment, nobody would sign up for this. It's about life change. It's about the Holy Spirit changing lives, and He's doing it every single week. I want us to lift our voice with every hand that has gone up tonight. Let's pray with them, everybody together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So Jesus, I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart. I repent of my sins. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate those people tonight. Come on, celebrate them. Let them know they've made the best decision they've ever made. Yeah. Welcome to the family of God tonight. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.